Amen. It's good to know that the master has all things under control. Nothing escapes his watch care. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Second Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 13, I'm going to read the first five verses. It says, this is the third time I am coming to you. Now, we only have two letters to the Corinthians. Evidently, there was another one that was not inspired, that didn't become part of Scripture. Or Paul went there at some point, but we think there was another letter. But anyway, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you, as if I were present the second time, and being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all other, that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. We also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God Toward you. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? So tonight is examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your word. We thank you that we have all things that pertains to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We pray as we look into the scriptures tonight, I pray that you'd help us, each of us, to examine ourselves, not by each other, but by the word of God, by our Lord. And so I pray that we allow the spirit of God to search our hearts, even as David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. So open our minds and our understanding and receive thy truth. And may we be helped and you glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Where well, Second Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul at the church at Corinth, after he learned there were some Judaizers that were there, as we mentioned this morning, mixing law and grace, you know, saying you have to be circumcised and you have to keep the law of Moses if, if you're going to be saved. Um, they also questioned his apostleship. You know, verse 3 says, Since you seek a proof, of Christ speaking in me. That's in defense of his apostleship. Uh, much of the letter defends and gives proof of his apostolic authority. Uh, <clears throat> in chapter 12, verse 12, he says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you, and all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now, it isn't recorded all the things that Paul did at Corinth, but evidently there were some things that he did that were miraculous. Uh, we know that Paul did you know, work miracles, and these, the Bible tells us that these miracles did follow the apostles, and they were given to them to confirm the word to them, to confirm the word to the people that this is of God. Of course, since we have a complete revelation, we no longer have the miracle or apostolic signs, nor do we have apostles, as some think. But And so, you know, there was, a, there was, and there was some... Uh, and, 
1 Corinthians 15, of course, there were some who were denying the resurrection, saying it was past already. So there were some doctrinal problems at the church. And this, this was a great concern for him. You know, he started this. He was instrumental, him and his team. You know, Paul always had a team that went with him. And him and his team, uh, uh, we know that uh, Luke was with him and, and others and Silas and so on and, and, and Barnabas. And so the, they were, these things were of great concern to them. So he asked them point blank, how about doing yourself an examination? You know, in most schools, you have assignments that you have to do and you have to turn in, and, and, and it's all leading up to what they call a final. A final exam. And the final exam is supposed to know, examine you to prove whether you learned the subject material or not. And so Paul is saying, look, why don't you examine yourselves to see if you're real? Dr. Roy Lauren in his book on 2 Corinthians says, quote, So many people believe God only in their ideas. They don't know God in their lives. God is far off and distant. Let us bring Christianity down out of our heads and make it real and reasonable that it might motivate our hands and our feet after all. It is a life for service and a way to walk, unquote, or a way to live. So I said this morning, you know, Jesus said, except you eat of me and live by me. So if, 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 you, if you love the Lord, you're going to keep his commandments. There's going to be a walk that demonstrates that. And so, so the idea that Paul is saying when you examine yourselves, okay, examine yourselves. Is there evidence in your life that you really are out of God? Does it show? The word examine here means to try, to test one's faith, one's virtue or character. You know, the, the devil tempted Jesus. He tried him. He tried him. And really, what that temptation proved to the devil was that he couldn't, the devil couldn't control or bring Jesus under his power because he is the Son of God. You know, he threw every temptation at him. You know, if you and I would have been tempted with the things Jesus was tempted with, I mean, hadn't eaten for 40 days, and he said, well, turn bread, these stones into bread. You know, I'm sure he was starving to death, as we'd say, you know. You know, we, we, if we'd go out without eating for a day, we'd say, I'm starving to death. He was 40 days without eating. He says, turn these stones into bread. If... Thou be the Son of God. He simply said, Man shall, live by, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that precedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. He offered him all the kingdoms of the world. Boy, what if somebody offered you all the kingdoms of the world? I don't know, the way the world looks right now. Uh, you know, but somebody offered you control of all the things of the world, and you could straighten it out. At least you think you could. Remember, you're dealing with sinful people. But if you were offered all the kingdoms of the world, all the wealth, so with that comes all the wealth of the world, all the power of the world. But Jesus didn't submit to that. 
So the purpose of the examination is to know the reality of our salvation experience. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that, that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. God wants us to know. He's given us His Word so that we can know. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 1 John 5.11-12 And so... You know, is, 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 do we know the reality, reality of our salvation experience? Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. And we know that salvation, according to Acts 20, 21, is by repentance and faith. You know, repentance is really submission to God, that, that we have sinned against God. Our sin is against God, and we have offended a holy God, and we're willing to accept the condemnation of God, and we justly deserve that condemnation. You know, when a person repents, they don't say, but, 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 I'm not that bad. Well, if you're comparing to your neighbor, you may not be. But if you're comparing to God, you are. You are an un, you and I are unclean things. So it's a surrender, it's really a surrender of our will. A surrender of our will. In 1 Peter 3, in verse 21, <clears throat> excuse me, 1 Peter 3, in verse 21, Peter says this, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. So it's not the going in the water and getting a washed, so to speak. That doesn't wash away your sins. No, what washes away your what? What the answer is? What puts away the filth of the flesh, or or the, the, what saves us is the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the answer of a good conscience toward God is: Look, I've been honest with myself before God. I have agreed. You know, if a person is honest, they're going to agree with God that they are, in God's sight, unclean. As an unclean thing. We're all, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, Isaiah tells us. That's really what repentance is. You know, a, a, a repentant attitude or a repentant spirit will be one who allows, who, who will be willing to allow God to examine them. And when you're willing to allow God to examine you and you're willing to allow a church to examine you. A relative of mine is in the ministry. He's talking about a missionary they were working with. I think it was out of their church. And he said he was having some problems with them. He didn't, he didn't, want, he didn't want really any oversight. Or he, didn't want, he didn't want to have his life examined he was kind of you know he didn't want that and I said to him well as far as I'm concerned if a person's going to go into the ministry if they aren't willing to have their life examined they're not ready to win the ministry they're not ready for that because they haven't humbled themselves they ain't willing to have their lives examined you know there's a 
pretty scrutinous examination if you're going to be in the ministry in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1. And if you aren't willing to submit to that, there's a repentance problem. There's an attitude problem here. A, a will problem. And, and, a, and repentance is a surrender or a change of the will that brings forth actions, a change of action. Of course, faith is trust or trust or dependence upon Christ alone for salvation. It is only Christ that can save us from his sin. And, 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 and this faith is we have to simply take him at his word. Again, you know, 1 John 5. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. We have to believe what God says. This is the record. This is how we know. And if you aren't willing to accept the word of God by faith, then you're not trusting God. Because this is God the word. The Word was made flesh. It's not a matter of feelings. It's a matter of what saith the Lord. So, so we think about this examination. We've got to be willing to examine. Purpose of, that's the purpose of the examination, to know. Here's the process. Verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in your faith. Prove your own selves. Sort of like going to court. You know, if you were uh, accused of something or arrested for something and you're going to go to court, what do you need in court to defend yourself? You need evidence and witnesses. That's what you need. You need evidence. And we are to test our experience, our salvation experience, not on our feelings... But again, by the word of God. Do we have, you know, some, some, some questions that would be, you know, scriptural. Do we have the witness of the Spirit? In 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 13. 1 John 4 and verse 13, the Bible says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. He's given us of His Spirit. Chapter 5, verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. So if you don't believe the record, you're, what you're really saying is, God, you're a liar. I don't believe you. You know, if Brother Steve came to me tomorrow and said, Pastor, you know, I just, I just, uh, um, I just, I just, I just made a million dollars. I know that sounds far-fetched. And he gives me this long spill, you know, of maybe some investment he had that just went right through the roof. And he said, I just became a millionaire. And I got one of two choices. I could say, that's great. Or I could say, 
I don't believe you. Now, if I say I don't believe you, what am I saying? That you are lying. You're lying. If we don't believe the record that God gave of his son, we're, we're saying that he's a liar. And the Bible tells us here that we, he has given us his witness. And that is, of course, the witness of the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Spirit of the witness, the Spirit of God will witness or testify that we are children of God. As I said this morning, when a, I believe when a person is truly saved, they know it. Because they have the witness of the Spirit. God's wit, Spirit bears witness with their spirit that they are the children of God. He gives them confidence. He gives them assurance. He will guide us into all truth. He reveals the truths of the Word of God to us. And so, we ought to have this witness of the Spirit. Uh, John also says in chapter 2, in uh, verse 20, but ye have an unction of the Holy One, and ye know all things. Verse 27. But the anointing, again speaking out of the Spirit of God, which ye have received of Him abideth in you, need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. You know, I believe that a person is truly born again, when they're confronted with truth, the Spirit of God is going to say, this is true. This is true. And when they see error or hear error, there's going to be a red flag come up. The Spirit of God's going to say, oh, wait a minute, something wrong here about this. How does it say? They say there's something, something wrong or something... Um, in Denmark, I forget how the saying goes, you know. Something rotten in Denmark here, you know. I remember we were at her parents' house one time, and this older couple stopped by her visit. And they had gotten saved years ago. And, and I think, I'm not sure if they were raised Roman Catholic or what it was. It was some, other, some false religion. And so they didn't know where to go to church. So they tried, I'm not sure what kind of church they went to, church, quote-unquote. They went to first. And he said, we're sitting in there, and, and he said, something said to us, this is not right. This is not it. They were asking the Lord to lead them to the right church. And they went to several, and the Lord said, These, this is not it. Now, they were called churches. But they weren't New Testament churches. You see, that's the Spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. You know, and, and, and there is a requirement here to, to have this witness of the Spirit. We have to be willing to be taught. Willing to be led. You know, Jesus said in John 16 that He would guide us into all truth. But you know, you have to be willing to be guided into truth. Because you can grieve the Spirit by your stubbornness and unwillingness to do what is right. 
And so, do you have the witness of the Spirit? Secondly, is there a love for the brethren? Again, he's saying, prove yourselves. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brothers in darkness even unto now, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness of blinded lies. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So there ought to be a love for the brethren. Chapter 3, verse 14, again, We know we have passed from death and life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in you. And so, you know, he uses the illustration of as Cain, not as Cain who slew his brother. <clears throat> Verse 12 there. And, and so, uh, there ought to be a love for the brethren. You know, by, Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. Now, love, love, biblical love is always desiring what is best for the other. Not what you want from the other. What is best for the other. You know, there are some people that I would consider mine enemies. You say, Pastor, you have enemies? Oh yeah, I have lots of them. There's a lot of people who don't like me. I mean, if you don't like me, get in line. There's lots of them. But you know what? You know, you know what? You know, sometimes I get in the flesh and I, you know. But you know what, really, I would like to see? Them repent. Joe Biden's an enemy. This administration is an enemy. What they need is repentance. That's what they need. And so, there ought to be a love for the brethren. You know, the disciples were known for the love one for another. Um, you know, they worshiped together. They prayed together. They gave together. They ate together. They edified one another. You know, they didn't, they didn't think evil of each other. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about what love really is. And it gives a pretty lengthy list. It's a pretty exhaustive list of the characteristics of a biblical love. You know, it suffereth long, is kind, envieth not, vaunteth not itself, verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13. It's not puffed up. You know, it's not, it's not, doesn't think, think you know, it, it doesn't, you know, it's not puffed up, think it's better than others. Does not behave itself unseemly, inappropriate, seeketh not her own. You know, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others, Philippians 2 tells us. That's what real love is. Is not easily provoked, not quick to get angry at others and lash out. Thinketh no evil. Now, what would think of, you think evil of people? 
you know, sort of like I could come in here and say, you know, Bradley, I don't know why. You always mow this part over here first and this over here. Why don't you mow this back here first? That's where it grows the most. Why do you, and here's the key word, always mow this part first? And he may have an answer, I don't know. But I'm not interested in the answer. I just think he ought to mow this back here first. What am I doing? You know, you say this is a silly illustration, but see, I'm thinking that he's something wrong with his thinking that he always has to mow this section over here first and this back here last. Now, I could do that with, you know, I could maybe, why do you think you have to park in that same parking spot all the time? You know, you don't own this parking lot. You always park there. You know, that old truck you have, you always park it right there. You know, if I did that very long, do you think Brandon and I would get along? Now, there have been times where I've gone to Bradley and said, Bradley, what you did here was not, you need to think about this. Now, that would, did not, would not have the same reaction as if I said, why do you always mow this back here first? And why do you always park your truck in the same spot? Don't you think somebody else might want to park there once in a while? It's fun picking up preacher boys. <clears throat> no, there ought to be a love for the brethren. And you know what the Bible says? Love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, it doesn't pick each other apart. You know, we were at a, a uh, shower, bridal wedding shower. It was a wedding shower. It wasn't just a bridal shower. The groom was there too. And they gave us little slips of paper to write advice on. You know. And, of course, the bride and groom future were sitting across the table us talking to us when they gave us this paper so I didn't pay much attention to the paper and, and, and we were staying that we were, you know, it was supposed to be 2 to 4 and it was 3.59 so I said, you know we need to, be, we need to get going and they're going to they're gonna kick us out pretty soon. So I didn't write anything on it but I thought afterward, you know, I should have wrote don't ever think evil of each other always think the best of one another that's love. That is a biblical love. We ought to think the best of one another. You know, we're to have love for the brethren, and love doesn't think evil of one another. Thirdly, so we're looking at proving our own selves or evidence, there ought to be an overcoming of sin in our life. First John 5 in verse 4, and, and this was a problem they was having at Corinth, because you know, Paul was continually having to address issues, and, and, and it caused him concern. Um, and again, a little bit, you had to understand the background of Corinth and the, the depths of sin there. But, but in 1, Corinthians, or 1 John 5, verse 4, says this, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, it doesn't say that whosoever is born of God can overcome. It says, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, you may not be in your Christian grove where somebody else is who's, who's been saved longer and, and, and you know, uh, maybe not in the same stage of growth, but there should be evidence of overcoming sin in your life. Because now you have the life of God, the power of God available to you to overcome sin in your, your own self. You should be getting victory, growing. And this is a continual process. It's a transformation. It's being what we call being conformed to the image of Christ. And many times it's the, it's the afflictions of life, the conflicts in life that bring about victory. Because it's those things that cause us to stop and examine ourselves. You know, it isn't, it isn't very often, it isn't typical of, of people that when everything is going well, they examine everything. Or they examine themselves. Am I doing this right? Oh yeah, I must be, because everything's going well. Maybe and maybe not. I mean, Solomon's kingdom was going well. But was he doing everything right? No, he was not. And a few years down the road, we're going to find out in Sunday school that Solomon has some serious problems because of the things that he allowed in his life. Even though the kingdom was prospering, the things he allowed in his life that brought some dire consequences. So, so we, you know, even when things seem to be going well, but you know, the con- a conflict is oftentimes that we ought, we ought to examine ourselves. <clears throat> there, there ought to be a willingness, a desire to obey God. Uh, again, and this was a thing that 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 was was concerning to Paul. He said to prove your own selves. First John two verse three says, Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected, thereby know we that we are in him. So there's a process of perfection here. You know, if a person if a person is confronted with sin in their life and they say, you know what, you're right. I need to work at that. I need to change that. I need to get that right. That gives evidence of salvation. There's a desire there to do what's right. But when a person is confronted with sin, they say, oh, well. That's your opinion. Well, I don't believe that's what the Bible says. You know, after all, I think it's okay to live together, not married, because... You know, my parents have been doing it for 20 years. And they seem to be okay. After all, it is acceptable in society. 
but does that make it right in the sight of God? That's what we have to look at. Well, see, when a person has that attitude, what they're saying is, you know, I don't have evidence of salvation. I don't have a desire to do what's right. I don't have a desire to please God. Even in adverse, adverse circumstances, Albert Barnes in his commentary on 2 Corinthians 13 here says this, quote, The proof of their piety was to be arrived at by faithful examination of their own hearts and lives, by a diligent comparison of their views and feelings with the word of God, and especially by making trial of it in life. The best way to prove our piety, that is godliness, that's what piety means, is to be subject Subject it to actual trial and various duties and responsibilities in life. A man who wishes to prove an axe to see whether it is good or not does not sit down and look at it or read all the treatises which he can find on axe making and on the properties of iron and steel, valuable as such information would be, but he shoulders the axe, goes into the woods, puts it to trial there. And then he goes on and says, quote, That religion that which will enable man to endure persecution for the name of Jesus, to bear calamity without murmuring, to submit to a long series of disappointments and distresses for Christ's sake, is genuine. That religion which will prompt a man unceasingly to a life of prayer and self-denial, which will make him ever conscientious, industrious, and honest, which will enable him to warn sinners of the error of their ways, which will dispose him to seek the friendship of Christians, the salvation of the world, is pure and genuine. That will answer to the purpose. It is like the good axe with which a man can chop all day long, which there is no flaw, which does not get dull, which answers all the purposes of an axe. Any other religion than this is worthless. Unquote. You see, there ought to be a willingness to endure hardness as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the real Christian life. It's not a cakewalk. <clears throat> you know, as a, I remember, I think it was Spurgeon's, Spurgeon Webb said one time, you know, sometimes life, Christian life is just hard. Paul said we must endure afflictions. You must be willing to endure afflictions. Jesus said you're going to be hated of all men for my name's sake. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Because they don't know me or the Father. And Paul told Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The military is not a pleasant place to be in. It's not, you're not there for a pleasure trip, are you, brother? It's grueling. Sometimes it's just plain grueling and hard. And so we have to be, have a willingness to obey God, even in difficult times. Thirdly, you know, we ought to examine ourselves. If we, are, if we are true children of God, we ought to desire to examine ourselves to improve ourselves. We ought not to be satisfied with where we are. You know, Peter tells us in, I believe it's 2 Peter, yeah, second, no, First Peter chapter 2. As newborn babes desire sincere the work of the word that they may grow thereby. 
So it's comparing a Christian to a newborn baby that desires milk. How, does, how do babies desire milk? With great intensity, Nathan knows. You don't feed that little garrison and he is going to let you know. By the way, that's the way Nathan was too. And Melinda, and Hannah, and Bethany, and Daniel. You see, a baby desires milk that they may grow thereby. And if we're a child of God, we ought to desire the milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. We ought not be content just to stay the way we are. You know, if the life of God is in us, we ought to hate, we ought to come to hate this old vile flesh. That causes us to sin, to fall into sin. You know, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 when he was talking about the Lord's Supper there. And he told them then, in that context, let a man examine himself. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. If you have no desire to grow in your Christian life, you're not discerning the Lord's body. You're not taking into consideration the Lord's body, which is the church. You're not taking into consideration that the Lord is walking in the midst of His body, His church, in the midst of His candlesticks, and He's inspecting. The psalmist said to Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Not somebody else's. Not my spouse's. Not the guy who was sitting over there on the other side, other end of the pew. Not that person I don't like, who I think is always wrong and I'm always right. You see, when we come into the house of God, we ought not to say, well, I hope God speaks to so-and-so today. We ought to say, I'm praying that God will speak to me. You know, conflict, God allows conflict in our lives many times not to change the person we're having conflicts with, but to change us. God allowed conflict in Solomon's life to change Solomon. We'll see that in the chapters to come in 1 Kings later on in Sunday school. You know, the publican smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The prodigal son says, Father, I have, I have sinned against thee and against heaven. I have sinned. Now he could have, he could have, and we know this, we know this is true, this would have been a true statement, he could have pointed out the sins of his older brother. Because his older brother gave great evidence 
that he was no saint. But he didn't say anything about his older brother. He didn't say anything about his older brother to try and justify himself. He simply said, Father, I have sinned against thee, against heaven. You know, most often we point out, like to point out the sins of others to cover up our own. Zacchaeus confessed his sin in Luke chapter 19 to the Lord, and he said, if, if I have taken anything, I will restore it fourfold. You see, we need to examine ourselves. We examine ourselves to improve ourselves. James, in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, says this, But ye be ye doers, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any, any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You look into the word of God, and you see God, and then you see yourself. See, there's two reasons why you study the word of God. To reveal God to you, and in doing so, it will reveal yourself to yourself. But if you're not open to having God reveal you to yourself, you're going to be like the man who looks in the mirror and says, oh, well, goes this way. And you see him out in the street and look like he just crawled out of bed. He forgets what he looks like. He hasn't combed his hair. He hasn't cleaned the crud out of his eyes from sleeping at night. You know? He hasn't even changed his clothes, took his pajamas off, put his clothes on. He forgets what manner of man he was. Somebody has said, when I look into the Word of God and see the Son of God, I am changed into the image of God by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. But you know, we have to look at it for ourselves. Lord, reveal, we have to be willing to say, Lord, reveal myself to me. And I'll be honest with you, if you do that, you're not going to like what you see. Because we're not as half as good looking as we think we are in the sight of God. Now, your wife or your husband might think you're good looking or pretty, but when you look into the mirror of the Word of God, you don't look pretty. You may be saved, but you're still a sinner saved by grace that needs perfecting, that needs growth. We're all there. You know, Brother Howard said in Sunday school class he was going to ask for you know, examples of people that sin this, this next week. You know, Well, if we were all honest, we could give them some, right? Because when we look into the Word of God, we're not pretty. 
So we need to improve ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. But you know, it's always more interesting and more comfortable to examine someone else. Sort of like the two boys that go to the dentist's office. One boldly says, Mr. Dentist, Mr. Doctor, I have a tooth that needs pulled. But I don't need any anesthetic. You just need to yank it out. And Dennis says, okay, show me the tooth. And he says, hey, Willie, show him which tooth it is. You know, that won't do us any good. We need to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves before a holy and righteous God that he might perfect in us that which lacks. That we might prove our own selves. By the way, I believe this is the way that we know. God gives us assurance when we are willing to obey him. And this is how we know that the Spirit of God dwells in us when we are willing to allow him to examine ourselves. So examine yourselves. Prove your own selves, whether you be in the faith.